Thanks, Zach. Thanks for your leadership and friendship. And today, uh, this is a really important message. Uh, you'll notice on the screen that it's simply called Shaken. Simply called Shaken. And it comes from a portion of Scripture where things had been going great, things were awesome, they were unbelievable, but then something happened that began to shake the early church, and the thing that happened was conflict. Conflict. Now, let me just take a poll. On Instagram this week, I, I did a little poll, but by show of hands, how many of you feel like you're good at conflict? Anybody good at conflict? AJ, I saw that hand come up. How many of you are not good at conflict or you like to avoid it? Anybody, anybody, anybody? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, the, that's most of us. On Instagram, I was surprised that uh, about 56% of the folks that responded said that they were pretty good at handling conflict. They said, hey, I'm pretty good. But on Facebook, it was just the opposite. On Facebook, or as my mom calls it, the Facebook, I asked the question, but most people said no, and they went on and on and on and on about the reasons why. A lot of people avoid it. A lot of people hate it. One person that commented said that they worked with a group of people that they were convinced had to have uh, some sort of drama every single day. I don't know if you've worked with people like this, but I thought that was funny when they, when they posted it. I was like, we should send a camera to work with them and just see that. So here's the deal. We're all going to be in moments of conflict. We're going to be in moments that we're shaken. We're going to be in moments where... Uh, they're not fun. They're, we don't typically look forward to them, but there are moments that we have to navigate. In fact, in our world today, there's a lot of critics around us. There's a lot of folks that just get caught up in being critical. I mean, you can look at social media and you can see all the hashtags that are going on where people are tearing other people down. Uh, there's something even on Twitter that's called subtweets. I don't know if you've ever heard of that or not. Subliminal tweets where somebody's going off about somebody, but they don't name their name. So it's sort of underneath the surface where they don't want the other person to see it. You see it happen on Facebook where people just go off, go off, go off, go off, go off. I've actually seen among teenagers across the country where they create fake profiles so that they can post stuff about it. It's just crazy the amount of drama that's in our world. And so my question is, if that's true, right, if there's always going to be conflict, if there's going to be tension, and that tension may be at work, that tension may be in the home, that tension may be in some relationship, if that's a given, if it's going to happen, then as people that are trying to walk with Christ, how do we handle that in the right way? In other words, if criticism's gonna happen, if conflict is just part of life, can I do it? Can I handle it in the right way? Can I carry myself in the right way? Can I maintain my character in the middle of trying times? Because that's the great rub. The great tension is when there's criticism. The great tension is when there's drama. The great tension is when there's all of this stuff going on around us that we would react instead of responding. And so this morning, if you've got one of the handouts that you got on the way in, I wanna invite you to take it out. If you've got something to write on, something to write with, there are some principles that come right out of Acts chapter four that I'd love for you to write down today because chances are you're in the middle of one of these moments. Chances are, as I mentioned, criticism and drama and trying to do the right thing. Some of you, you thought of something immediately. There's something you're in the middle of. Maybe for others of you, you're not in it right now, but I guarantee you it's going to happen. And so my hope is this morning, as we look into God's word, that we would be armed with how to handle it the right way. That it is possible to maintain our character in the middle of drama. 
And so in our Bibles today, it's in Acts chapter four. What's happening in Acts chapter four is the early church is growing. The early church is growing. If you don't know much about the book of Acts, it actually is recording the early church and the acts of the Holy Spirit as God begins to build this thing that we get to be part of called the church. And so in Acts chapter two, a guy named Peter preaches one message and over 3,000 people got saved. Think about that. One message and 3,000 people come to faith. And then you get to the very next chapter in Acts chapter three, Peter and his buddy John are on their way to the church and they're on their way to pray. And as they're getting ready to go into the temple to pray, there's a beggar that's stationed right by the entrance asking for something. This is somebody that was known in their community that since birth, they were paralyzed. They had some issue with where their ankles and their, where all the bones and their feet connected and they were not able to walk. They were over 40 years old, so everybody knew them. So as Peter and John are going to the temple to pray, this guy's hanging out and he's just asking for money, asking for money, asking for money. And in that moment, Peter and John stop, they pay attention to him and they say to him, look, we don't have any gold or silver, but what we do have, we give unto you. And Peter says to him with boldness, in the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. Now, just try to imagine that for a second. Somebody that hasn't been able to walk their whole lives for over 40 years, they're just hanging out, just begging, somebody help me, somebody help me, somebody help me. And Peter's like, look, bro, we don't have any money, but in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And he is healed on the spot. He began, you can imagine him just starting to stand up. You can imagine him just sort of shaky, just sort of, hey, can I do that? Is, is this real? And then they take him into the temple and he starts leaping and he starts celebrating. And all of these people that knew who this guy was, that he was legitimately paralyzed, unable to walk, is now walking. Everybody sees it happening and they're like, this is amazing. And it's with that background that we get to the very next chapter in chapter four, where in the middle of this excitement, in the middle of God doing unbelievable stuff, they come under attack. And so if you're taking notes this morning, let me give you four principles that I think come right out of this passage because we're gonna have it. And the first one is this, number one, if we're gonna handle this the right way, number one, we've got to expect it. We've got to expect it. I know that's not a very deep point, and you're like, man, you went to seminary for that? <laughs> but the, the reason why I think that's a good place to start is because some of us don't expect conflict around us. Sometimes we buy into this idea that life's gonna be great. If I say yes to Jesus, then everything's gonna be perfect. My life's gonna work out. I'm gonna lose weight. I'm gonna make more money. I'm gonna, you know, we buy into sort of this Western prosperity gospel, and the problem with it is it's just not true. Jesus never promised that we wouldn't have conflict. In fact, in the Gospel of John, he says, beware, in this world there will be trouble, there will be hardship. And so step number one, principle number one, is for us to expect there to be drama. Here's what it says in chapter four. Look at verse one. It says, as they were speaking to the people, Peter and John, after they heal this man, they're speaking to the people, they're talking about Jesus. And here's what it says in verse one, and the priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, look at this phrase, greatly annoyed. I love that in the Bible. You know, sometimes we memorize happy little verses, but maybe, have you ever had that moment you wanna just uh, quote an angry verse? This is a good one, I'm greatly annoyed right now. It's biblical. 
greatly annoyed. Why? Because they were teaching the people and they were proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Now, this is a big deal. The Sadducees carried a lot of political sway. They were important people in their day, and they did not believe in the resurrection from the dead. When I was a kid at VBS, we used to sing a song that said, I don't want to be a Pharisee because they're not fair, you see. And then like verse number two was, I don't want to be a Sadducee because they are sad, you see. The reason why they were sad is they didn't believe in a, I don't know if we're going to sing that at VBS this year, but I won't try it this morning. But so they didn't believe in this. And so they were ticked off. They see these two guys that were not part of the political system of the temple. They weren't sort of the who's who in this moment. And they're preaching this bold message that Jesus beat death and the same Jesus that beat death just healed this lame guy that everybody knows about. And because of their fear, because of change, these guys that were leaders of the day tried to shut them down. We need to expect it. The reason why we need to expect it is because anytime we do the right thing, there are going to be negative results around us. That's just true. I was talking to uh, one of our uh, worship team members right before the first gathering. I was talking to Doug and we were talking about this idea of conflict and why does it happen? and And one of the things that he mentioned that is so true is that there is an enemy. I don't mean to sound weird or creepy on a Sunday morning, but if you know what scripture teaches, there's a spiritual realm around us. I mean, check out Ephesians chapter six. There's this spiritual war going on around us. There is an enemy in the Bible. He's called the devil, the Lucifer, uh, the the adversary. Uh, He's a real person. And anytime the enemy sees God at work, anytime the enemy sees God's kingdom growing, Anytime he sees life change happening, whether it's in marriages or whether it's in churches like this one, whether it's in your business, anytime the enemy sees God having his way, he begins to attack it because the enemy wants to undo whatever God is up to. And so this is a big deal because sometimes I I have this conversation with folks that are young in their faith. They're brand new followers of Jesus and they say yes to Jesus. They turn from their sin and then they come under attack and it's almost like they think, well, if this was real, then I wouldn't be attacked. If Jesus is who he says he was, then life ought to be easy. And the problem with this, 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 that's just not taught in scripture that when somebody says yes to Christ, it's almost like God places his light inside of them. His life comes to live inside of them. And so when you become the light of God in the world, what happens is you stand out from the rest of the world and anytime the enemy sees you, he puts a target on your life. And so often what I've found is life gets harder before it gets better. Because when God works good on the outside of us, the enemy tries to attack on the inside of us. When God is at work, the enemy will attack. It's going to happen. I told some of you this story or this thing that happened to me several years ago. Um, There's a a volunteer that served at the church that I was a huge respecter of. Man, I, I absolutely loved them and loved serving alongside them, but somewhere along the way, I'd let them down. There was something that they were passionate about and something they thought the whole church ought to be behind and we should promote it real big and all of this. And uh, I I forget all the details about it, but whatever happened is they were disappointed with us not pushing whatever the thing was uh, 
more. And so I was on my way. It was about this time of the year. I was actually traveling to speak to about 500 students. It was a Monday afternoon, driving to speak to 500 students, and it was a big deal. Like, I, I've been to camp, not only as an adult preaching, but I remember going to camp as a middle schooler and a high schooler. And I remember specific decisions I made uh, at camp. So it's a big deal. I know the value, the life change that God can do with that. So I'm on my way to this camp, getting ready to speak to 500 plus students. I was excited about it. My heart's beating in my chest. I had sort of this message locked and loaded, ready to go. And I made the mistake when I stopped to get gas, I checked my email. Now, I don't know if you've ever done this. I don't know if you've ever checked your email at the wrong time. Sometimes we do that right before we go to bed. We open our email and then there's some, you know, some emergency and then you can't sleep the rest of the night and that's no good. Or you look at social media and there's something going on. This is one of those moments where I shouldn't have allowed any distractions, but because we're wired to always check our phones, I look at my email and there was this scathing email from this volunteer leader. And they were going off. And they were going off saying, our church and our leaders, you didn't promote this thing and da, da, da. And they just went off and off and off and off. Now, how do you think I felt after reading that email? Do you think I was like, praise God, I'm ready to preach to 500 kids and see them come to Christ. It's going to be awesome. Now I'm just like any one of us, right? Most of us, man, you get an email like that and it weighs on you and you start doubting yourself because as I read it and they're talking about our leaders and our church, I was the only person that was involved in the conversation. So they were really talking about me. They're talking about me. And so I, I think early on, I didn't expect it to happen. And I, didn't, I certainly didn't expect criticism to come from within but I guarantee you, you've got your own version of that, don't you? That we have these moments. So number one, if we're gonna navigate this well, number one, expect it. Don't be shocked by it. Don't let it catch you off guard. It is part of living. We're gonna have moments that people aren't happy. So number one, expect it. Then number two, if you're taking notes, answer the critics with results. Answer with results. And so they're telling Peter and they're telling John, you can't do that. They're saying, Peter and John, you need to quiet down. Peter and John, who do you think you are? Talking about Jesus and saying that he beat death. And Peter goes on to say, actually, and you guys, you're the ones that killed him. You're the ones that put him on the cross. And so he doesn't back down, but he answers them with results. Look at verse four. It says, but many of those that heard the word, they believed. They believed. And the number of the men came to about 5,000. So put that together with chapter 2, where 3,000 people come to Christ. Chapter uh, 4, uh, 5,000 people come to Christ. Look at verse 13. It says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. It's not saying they were dumb. It's not saying they were totally uneducated. What it is saying is that they weren't part of the education system that these religious leaders had been through. They hadn't been through seminary. They didn't have the master's degree. They didn't have the doctorate. And so they were, they were surprised. How can these normal guys talk so boldly? And then here's what it goes on to say in verse 13. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. What a powerful line. That in the middle of conflict, the thing that they noticed was these guys have been with Jesus. And then it goes on to say this, but seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. 
But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another. So they're talking in, internally to the other leaders. What shall we do with these men? What shall we do with them? For there's been a notable sign has been performed through them. It is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. We cannot deny it. And so in the middle of this conflict, instead of fighting back, instead of going off, instead of pointing fingers at them, they let the results speak for themselves. See, here's the temptation. When we get pulled into conflict, and we're going to, when we get into situations where somebody accuses us or attacks us, or we get into one of those uncomfortable conversations, the quickest thing, the easiest thing for us to do is to fly off the handle and to try to attack them in return. But instead, Peter and John is like, no, 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 no. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to show the results. That's what Jesus did, isn't it? Man, there was oftentimes when Jesus got into arguments with religious leaders of the day and they would go off on him because he didn't follow their rules. And Jesus would heal somebody on the Sabbath and those leaders would come to Jesus and say, Jesus, you can't do that. You cannot heal on the Sabbath. And Jesus basically said, oh yeah, well, what about this guy that I just healed? Well, Jesus, you can't do that. Well, I just did it, so yes, you can. He let the results speak. And there's moments, like when I got that email my initial thought was, I'm going to fire one back. I don't know if you've ever done this. I don't know if you hit reply and you start going off and you got some good one-liners. I don't know if you've accidentally sent that email before you meant to or not. Anybody been there? You're like, where's the unsend feature? Where's the unsend feature? So my initial response is, I'm going to fire one back. I'm going to fire one back. I'm going to fire one back. But that didn't settle well with me. And so I just started thinking about, did did we drop the ball on something? Maybe, but at the same time, I can't allow that to overshadow the rest of what's going on. And so I started stepping back and I started thinking about the fact that over the last six years, we've had over 1,200 new folks called this place home. I started thinking about over the years, we've had uh, somewhere around seven or 800 people be baptized, publicly declaring their faith in Jesus. Over the last six years, we've been able to see hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people serving. We've been able to help over 500 families in Kenya. We are able every single year to send home about 9,000 backpacks of food for family in need in our community. Do we make mistakes occasionally? Absolutely, but am I gonna allow that to stop us from doing what God's calling us to do? No way, no way. And you've got those things in your life as well. You've got those areas of your life that you come under text and number one, expect it. Number two, answer with results. And then number three, do what is right. Do what's right. Do what is right. And I guess the, the preface I would give to that is to do what is right as God defines right. What does God want me to do in this moment? What does God want me to say? How does God want me to respond? And so here's what it says in verse eight, then Peter who was filled with the Holy Spirit said to them, and then look at verse 12, rulers of the people and elders, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So Peter didn't cave. Peter didn't give up. Peter didn't say, oh, okay, we're going to pack up and we're just going to be quiet. 
Instead, Peter stood in confidence. He stood in boldness. He stood with a clear heart, and he said, look, I can't stop. I'm going to preach the one name that can change people's lives. He did what was right. And in our lives, there's going to be that tension of doing what's easy or that tension of doing what everybody else does and just go off, hey, I'm just going to get on social media and blow them up. Hey, I'm going to send them a scathing email back where I just go tit for tat with them and I go line by line by line by line. Or I'm going to, I'm going to talk to all of my friends about it. No, 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 no. In that moment to say, I want to do the right thing as God defines right. In fact, underneath that third point, just write down this phrase, do what's right and trust God with the results. Do what's right and trust God with the results. Because our temptation is to say, well, what if they take advantage of me? What if it doesn't go well? What if I look weak in the middle of this moment? See, the, the results are God's job. Obedience to what he wants us to do is our part of the job. Our part of the job is do the right thing as God defines right. God's part of the job is he'll take care of the rest. He'll take care of the rest. And so what what happened early on because I'm not a natural conflict kind of person. I think everybody, we learned some of this from our family. So my dad's side of the family is not emotional at all. And so I joke, I've got an emotion, right? I've got one single emotion. Now on my mom's side of the family, there was all kinds of emotions. Every time the family got together, blended family got together, there's all kinds of craziness going on. And some of y'all have, have lived that out as well, right? Where you've got, <laughs> that's a loud, yes, we could stop and pray for that right now. Uh, some people are like, my family feels like a Live PD episode. Do y'all know the show Live PD? Live, live uh, following like six or seven uh, units on Friday and Saturday nights. Gwinnett Sheriff's Ca uh, Department is on there now. And so here, here's a little confession. My wife, she's traveling today, so she couldn't be here. Uh, but my wife is one of the sweetest people on the planet. But would you, if y'all think about it this week, would you pray for her? She has two shows that she's addicted to. Live PD, and on headline HLN, Forensic Files. I mean, she binge watches these all the time. I'm afraid her brain's getting rewired, right? She's heard about all of these different murders and all the cover up. So if for some reason I pass away this week, check my blood for propofol because she's heard about it on Forensic Files. She watches all these shows, and, and so we watch, you know, right, we, we learn conflict skills by watching the people around us, and usually the world around us doesn't handle it well, where we just go off, we fly off the handle, we prove our point. I love what Pastor Chuck says oftentimes when he talks about conflict and moments like that is like, are you trying to be right, or are you trying to make things right? Are you trying to make a point, or are you trying to make things right? And sometimes what happens is we show our emotions and anytime we show emotion in the middle of conflict, we lose the ability to influence. Anytime we show our emotions, anytime we lash out, we lose our footing to be the light of God in that moment. It's okay to have emotions. It's okay to feel it, but instead of showing it, we need to describe it. We need to do the right thing. So number one, I'm gonna expect it. Number two, I'm going to answer it with results. Number three, I'm going to do what's right as God defines right. And here's the last one. Number four, don't give up. Don't give up. And so when I was getting ready to write the scathing email in response, it didn't sit well with me. Proverbs 15 verse 1, 
It says, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. We've all seen that, right? We've seen when we've responded inappropriately and we just stir it up. We've also seen it in those moments that we've handled it correctly. And so instead of writing the scathing email back about 30 minutes after I got it, I just picked up the phone and I called this person. Their spouse answered the phone and I could tell they were surprised to hear from me. And then when I asked that their spouse was available, I could tell that they're a little uncomfortable because they knew that I, was, I must be calling about this email that I just got. And when that leader got on the phone, they were a little bit uncomfortable. And I just owned it. It's like, look, obviously I let you down. And they backpedaled a little bit. No, 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 it was our church. No, 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 that was me. I was the person that let you down. And I'm so sorry. But here's what we have done. And man, what that healthy conflict did is it led to a stronger relationship with that leader and an opportunity for God to work in the middle of my life and in their life. Stick to it. Don't give up. Listen to what happens in Acts 4, verse 18. It says, so they called them and they charged them to not speak and not teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them and said this, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you've got to be the judge. For we cannot, do you see this last phrase? For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and what we have heard. These religious leaders are like, all right, you just gotta shut this down. And Peter doesn't back up. He doesn't get angry. He doesn't get ugly, but he stays with it. And this is the great thing, that if we would learn to handle conflict in a Christ-like way, we get to A, see God at work. We get to B, see and know the will of God. And, and, and as part of that, we get to see the church strengthened by it. And so today, I don't know if you're in the middle of conflict. I don't know if you're in one of these drama moments, but instead of reacting negatively, would you allow God to shape you and help you to respond in a Christ-like way? Let me pray for us this morning. Would you bow your heads for a moment? Would you close your eyes? And I wanna pray for what God is doing in here today. Maybe there's something that you've been thinking about. Maybe there's a sticky situation. There's a tough conversation that's been going on. This morning, would you just tell that to the Lord? Would you specifically pray for that this morning? Would you say, God, here's, here's the criticism. Here's the drama. Here's the junk that I'm facing right now. Just to admit that to him. Just tell him what it is. And as you tell him what it is, would you ask for his strength this week? Would you ask for some insight? Just say, God, would you help me to handle this in a Christ-like way? Doesn't mean it's gonna be easy, but it's healthy to handle it the right way. It's healthy. And then would you pray, God, would you help me to pay attention to the people around me this week? Would you help me to observe where I see this handled well and where I don't in my own life and the lives of the people around me? Because God, I want to handle this your way. Your way. Could be for some of you, you don't know Christ personally. So when we talked about this message that Peter preached, that it's Jesus and Jesus alone, maybe for you that's new. Maybe you're like the young man that Pastor Chuck talked about earlier in the service. You'd say, man, I've never given my life to Christ. Well, this morning, you could do that. 
in your head and your heart, you could ask him. You could say, dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. And I know my sin separates me from you. But I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe you're alive today. And as best as I know how, I ask you to forgive me of my sins and save me. Help me to live for you. If you pray that for the very first time, I'd love to know it. You can indicate it on the card today. You could use today's tear off in the bulletin. But I've got a free resource I'd love to get in your hands this week that helps you know how to take next steps in your walk, helps you know what that means. So if you did it here in this room, I'd invite you to fill out one of those cards or one of the tear-offs and give it to an usher on the way out or come by the meet and greet. Or if you're watching online, there's a button right below this that is just prayer at sugarhillchurch.com. Just drop us an email. We'd love to know that. Father, we give this morning to you. We give the ups and downs to you. We give the things that we handle well and the things that we haven't handled so well. Would you help us from this day forward help handle conflict in a Christ-like way? Would you help us to carry your light into tough situations? And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.